Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! All right, great to have you here, Jeff. We are doing the first of four mini-casts. This is what we do for the finale. We have a bunch of mini-casts with different people getting their thoughts on the finale and the season as a whole as it's wrapped up. This first one is going to be with Justin JML, the storyline analysis guy. Uh, we're going to be talking with him again, seeing how the storyline progressed through the rest of the season, get his thoughts on different edits and everything. Um, so that should be pretty good. We have more uh, people coming up. We're going to be talking with Yao Man and another mini podcast and Edna and more to come. So stay tuned for those ones as well. But before we do that, uh, let's get our final confessional count, Jeff. Yes, David. Well, the final confessional count um, for the most, it started out 15 points to 14. So I basically had to win both points in order to win. So for the most confessionals, you picked Dawn and I picked Cochran. And again, this sorry, this is for episode 13, which is not the finale. Yeah. It's for the episode before the finale. So you picked Dawn and I picked Cochran, and Cochran had more confessionals, which means it's all tied up at 15-15. For the least confessionals, you picked Sherry and I picked Eddie. And dang it, David, you pulled ahead one last time. Sherry had fewer confessionals. And you are, with a 16 to 15 margin, the winner of Survivor Caramel and Confessional Caramel. Woohoo! You won one season, I won one season, we're good. But, but let's also remember who picked the winner before the season even started. You did. I have to give you kudos to that. Very nicely done for picking Cochran for the win. Next season we'll have something uh, back. It might be the confessional count. We also might try something different, but we'll we'll do goes. we'll do something. Jeff and I are too competitive not to do something. So exactly. Yeah. So should we get Justin on the line? Let's get him on the line. All right. Here we go. All right, and we now have Justin back on the podcast with the guests again. How are you doing, Justin? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Doing well. So, uh, we Jeff, talked... Are you sure you're doing well? Because you sound like you're underwater right now. <laughs> Not having, like, any childhood trauma like Philip had. <laughs> uh, not quite, no. He's using someone else's computer, which apparently is not podcast-friendly. Is it a scuba diver's computer? <laughs> it is actually not. But I will ask them. <laughs> Made to go uh, 300 feet below surface level. Yeah, it's pretty good if it can podcast that deep. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you on. We talked to you right at the merge, uh, and then we we talked about potential storyline. And even from there, uh, it was sort of obvious to you that Cochran is going to win, and that definitely did not change. I thought there was some, some surprises maybe as far as how Philip got out or how Andrea got out. But uh, for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. Was Andrea really a surprise? I mean, she got blindsided by her own alliance because she was flirting with some guy rather than building relationships with her own alliance. Was that really a surprise? I think it was more a surprise to her than it was to the viewers. Right. Like, they even shoved it into a double boot episode, which meant (laughs) that they, like, I think they were trying to play it off as a blindside because that's what, you know, gets people talking about the show. But I don't think it was as much of a blindside as they wanted us to think. Well, it was a blindside because she got blindsided, and that's the definition of a blindside. But, you know, narratively, it fit the idea of, you know, that she said what the theme was, players trying to overcome their big mistakes, and she made the same big mistake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, 
I would say I thought she was going to get farther when we last time we talked. So that was a surprise. But as I was not surprised at all as it kept going, like it became more and more obvious. Yeah. No, she, it's she, it's funny because you know besides Philip, who would have gone to the final three if not for the two idols. Yeah. But Andrea and Francesca basically went in the same spot, so it's kind of funny in that way. Yeah. No, it is. So I mean, talk a little bit about Andrea. One of the oddest storylines for for me this season, at least, was Brenda, where we have at the beginning no one even knows who she is. Like, all, I'm talking of, of course of people who are just kind of watching the show. They don't really know who she is. She's completely invisible. But then she all of a sudden becomes this huge character to the point where people are like upset when Don blindsides her. And I, I mean, like people are upset online they caused Don to leave all the social media so what made people attach to brenda so quickly and what was the storyline that was going on there do you think well there's there's a couple things that were going on here and you know one is really about the meat of the season and then one is brenda's boot episode so i'm going to attack uh attack the brenda's boot episode first because that's sort of the smaller topic uh, so on that Topic. I think that by far and away, Brenda's boot episode was the best episode of the season. Her character development in that episode, the, the strategic concerns in that episode, everything just came together, and it had a lesson about Survivor and life in there. And I think that's why there was such a strong reaction in there, because Brenda was made out to be someone who overcame her problems. And within the episode, she didn't actually, you know, she didn't have enough pride in herself. You know, she took the being humble thing way too far. And that was kind of the lesson in there. But, you know, she was shown as someone who overcame everything, right? She played a really good game. And then in that episode, to get, you know, blindsided by Dawn, who was supposed to be this nice person, it just, everything was coming together in that episode. And it was just a powerful Survivor episode. Yeah, and I think especially since it was the loved ones episode as well, and she gave up, you know, her loved one. I think the audience were like really related to that, and so to to be that same episode where they backstab her just made it all the great, all the more greater. Yeah, I mean that's you know these are the moments that Survivor casts for and produces for, and you know that's what they wanted when they had that twist in there where she could take the other people and they could you know she could see them out there while she had to sit there alone. And, I mean, Dawn couldn't have given them better footage crying and being upset at Brenda and then blindsiding her. I mean, it's one of those things that just all came together, and you know they were sitting there going, yes, this is brilliant. You know, I, I, I agree with you, and I think maybe the reason that there was maybe such a vitriolic response to the episode was because Brenda's character development, I mean, if you take, if you could quantify character development, Brenda in that episode was, was probably 90% of her character was packed into that one episode. Whereas with everyone else, it was kind of spread over the entire season. And so I think if, when people are watching just that episode, there's so much packed into it just for Brenda. So maybe if they haven't been paying attention for the whole season or they have a short memory, if they don't have that much of a response to someone who gets blindsided, but because it was all packed into there, they got really attached to her just in those 44 minutes. Right, you know, there's certainly the power of the episode, and I agree with you about that episode. It was so powerful in that way because Brenda had a complete arc in it, right? I mean, even me, I mean, I agree with Probst, right? I'm never moved by the family visits, but seeing her meet her dad and the way it affected her and in the game it affected her, you don't see that often. You know, she's like, I listen to you. It's made me a better person. I'm better at this game because of it. She had a whole arc in there. 
Mm-hmm. But on the broader perspective, if you know Brenda from before, to see the difference in her character there and her character in Nicaragua was huge. Yeah. And then there's the other thing I was talking about, the broader game concerns. I think some of it had to do with the fact of the way they edited this season. Now, I'm going to jump ahead. I had a moment of realization when I saw that the final vote was a shutout. Now, this is the third shutout in Survivor history. Yep. And I didn't think it would be a shutout. Now, I thought it might be like somebody else gets one vote or two votes or something. I didn't think it would be a shutout, though. And if you look at the fact that it was a shutout and how they edited it, they had to build, in their mind, Cochrane up to be this sort of world-beater greatest of all times. And in order to do that, other edits had to be sacrificed. In my opinion, the two people who played the best game, and this is storyline aside, were Philip and Brenda. Philip, you know, Cochran acknowledged it in the Rites of Passage. Jeff Probst acknowledged it. Boston Rob acknowledged it. Philip played a great game, and he showed that he really understands the game. And someone who's very socially awkward to play like that and put that alliance together is tremendous. And then if you look at Brenda was really close to Philip. She was really upset when he left. You know, it was like the linchpin of her plan was gone. And then she was really close with Eric, too. You know, it explained why Eric kept staying close to the favorites all season, and that wasn't in the edit. Always it was like, I'm going to flip, and he never did. And we know it was because of Brenda. So I think Brenda's edit was pulled back to make Cochran look better because Cochran was really the benefit of a lot of fortunate situations. You know, Brenda made that stupid mistake. Philip was gone because of two idols that had nothing to do with his game plan. Eric just randomly, like, died at Final Five. And then, uh, you know, the two advantages and the challenges. All of these things, you know, I'm not saying Cochran didn't play a good game, but storyline-wise, for me, it would have been better if they went with, hey, look at all this ridiculous stuff that happened in a fan one, rather than, oh, look at me transforming into one of the greatest all times, when all of us know he's not one of the greatest of all times. And part of the reason I was upset when Brenda left was, I already saw Philip, who played a great game, leave. And now I'm seeing Brenda, who I see her played a tremendous game in this episode and make one mistake, and she's leaving because of it. And ultimately, it was because of Dawn. And Dawn was the one who ultimately sort of drove the season, and then she doesn't even win. So there was a lot of feeling like, you know, this isn't why I watch Survivor. Yeah, what, what do you think about Eric and how they sort of edited him, especially in the finale? Like, he was there for the first five minutes. And then he's just gone. Like, they didn't even explain anything. Oh, he's dizzy. Oh, take his blood pressure. All right, he's out. I mean, that's pretty consistent with his his edit all season. So, I mean, when he left, that was my first sort of moment of realization. Where I was like, oh, my God, no wonder Cochran wins this thing. Because the whole season, I was like, really? Cochran wins? I mean, I know they're trying to build it up. And then that happened, and I was like, wow, he is like the luckiest person ever. And I'm starting to understand why they edited it in the way they did. I, I was going to say, with Eric's thing, like, it, almost, it made me upset because, and I think it was, maybe it was Rob Sesternino, made a really good point, which was, if you were to take any of their blood pressures, it would have been probably the same. I mean, they're all starving. It's just the fact that Eric got dizzy is the reason he was pulled from the game. Because they're all sick and they're all starving. And so it really upset me that they just pulled him as quickly as they did. And, uh, you know, I that, that's kind of beside the point. But it just it made me a little bit angry. Apparently... Uh, I comment on medical conditions like that. I mean, how much did we actually see of the diagnosis? 
know. Yeah, apparently from what I've I've heard from other people, he actually had a a sort of like an infection in his leg or a wound in his leg that was spreading and it had been happening for a while and then they apparently they finally gave him some some sort of medicine or something and i think they said the medicine with the dehydration and lack of food made it that much worse and why they had to pull him okay that makes sense but they didn't because of his his edit they didn't show any of the the pre-stuff they're just like oh eric's dizzy (laughs) gotta go out I mean, how about Brenda and her leg injury? Can you imagine if they had shown Brenda powering through a knee injury through the first half of the season and oh, yeah. being blindsided like that? I mean, there would have been if they people hated Dawn now. Imagine what they would have done later. Yeah. Right. Now I will say this, Justin. Last time you were on, you were saying how you thought it could be a very satisfying ending if Cochran was to win the final immunity challenge and then <laughs> and then win the game. Can I go back in time and take that back? <laughs> I, I will say, like, I don't think that that sentence is necessarily null and void. I think the ending was satisfying. I wouldn't say it was like joyous or you know whatever, but I feel I feel like the person who won, at least marginally, I mean, obviously the person who won deserves to win. They played a good game. Did they play the best game? That's up for debate. I would probably say. Yes, because they won, but no, from the broader perspective. But like, I wouldn't say it was an unsatisfying. I think that's fair, and I think that you know a lot of context has to be taken into account. If she had won it without all the other lucky stuff happening, I would have been more satisfied. But yeah, I mean, when you look at the final five, and I do think it's like possibly the worst final five in the history of the show. But if you look at the the final five. He was by far the best player in it and played the best game. It's just that, you know, Brenda and Philip got taken out before him, and they were that much better than him. Like, I wouldn't even say he played the best game. I still believe Philip played the best game. I think I think Philip's really the only person you can make the argument for simply because of the way he went out. Like, there was nothing Philip could have done. Brenda maybe as well, but what did you think of Brenda's speech at the final tribal council? Did you think it was petty, or did you think it was deserved, or what? I mean, deserved is something only Brenda and Dawn can answer, because that's something between the two of them. But I thought it was just someone trying to communicate with someone else. I thought Brenda was just trying to show Dawn how much she was hurt by what she did. I don't think she was trying to tear Dawn down. I think she was just saying, hey, look, I hurt this much, and I want you to feel how I hurt just so you can understand where I'm coming from. That's all I think it was. I don't get a bad read from Brenda. I don't think deep down Brenda's a bad person. I think Brenda is someone who tries really hard to do her best and is, gets really frustrated and hurt when she can't. I think that's fair. So anything else about the, the story uh, line or arc of this season? Well, I think uh, the editors were put in a tough position because I think this, if you look at it actually, this season was very similar to Philippines in that you had a religious, very good woman getting to the end by thinking she has to play a malicious game and selling everyone out, and then the jury hates her. So this other likable person who kept good relationships with everyone gets to the end and destroys the jury vote. And they had that two seasons in a row. So they had to work with what they had to tell a different story. So I sort of understand from that perspective. And I also think it shows how the editing has changed since the beginning, where you would have a, you know, sort of a sepia, Sandra, or a 
Danny win. Now, let's say these are exactly the same as that. I mean, Cochran played a more aggressive game than those, but I would put him more in that category than a Tom or a Boston Rob or a Yule win or a Todd win yeah. or a Kim win. And I think they they want to tell the stories now that are more uplifting and more saying, like, hey, look at how awesome this person is rather than, oh, hey, look at how Rob gets the, Rob C gets the end or Kathy gets the end or you know, even Lex gets the end and loses at the last minute. I think you've seen a shift in how they, they, they tell the stories. So I think, you know, those were the, the main factors that went into it. You know, Cochran won an undefeated vote. You know, Don's story and Lisa's story from last season were very similar, and these seasons aired back-to-back. And that goes to what Probe says, where the difficulty is they're telling the same story over and over, and they have to convince us that it's different. And then the third thing is they want to tell these stories about these people who are really awesome and Survivor is this great thing. You know, it's just tough when it's someone like Cochran. And I'm not trying to, like, insult Cochran or anything. It's just that he's someone who it's hard to get excited about winning when the host says at the beginning of the season he's someone who brings nothing to the table, literally. And then he wins two challenges based upon advantages given to him. And he has a lot of luck with what happens with Brenda, Eric, and Philip. See, I, I, that's kind of, I guess, where I maybe part ways with you. And maybe that's simply a disagreement about Cochran because I, I really like him. I, I identify with Cochran a lot. Um, kind of the nerdy, self-conscious guy who, you know, and it kind of validates maybe, oh, this is something I could do too. Like, I, I do feel kind of bad as well. But so what do you think of the entire, I mean, we've talked a lot about this season's arc. What do you think about the arc of Survivor, especially in regard to Cochran, with him in South Pacific versus Ceremonies? Are you talking about Cochran's two-season arc, or are you talking about the the way the show has evolved overall? I mean, if you have a, I, I was talking more about Cochran's two-season arc, but if you have a poignant statement about the latter, that's fine too. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, Cochran's arc is he has a good arc for someone who won in his second game. I mean, it was, you know, it was what they were trying to go for. Was you know, this is someone who was on the outside last time, and now he was completely on the inside this time, and that's why he won. But just for me, it would have been more enjoyable if he, if the edit was more of him in the middle going, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't believe these ridiculous things are happening. You know, they were sort of hinting at that at the beginning with, I get to watch Survivor every day live on the island. Like, that would have been better for me than this idea that he went from, you know, this guy that nobody wanted on his tribe to one of the best players ever. It's just not, to me, it's not believable. I think they, they push the, the limits of believability this season. Well, and that goes to the poignant statement about the overall, you know, this isn't story or anything, but just the overall way the show is now. When you get too many twists and you get too much when you're obsessed with the changing the dynamics of the show, it, it creates unnatural outcomes. And I think this is a season where we, you know, really, really saw that with, you know, the switch and the fans versus favorites and the how many idols did they hide and the advantages in the immunity challenges and and the you know overly thing with the the family visit there was just so much in the way of production dynamics that influenced the show and i think you know that's ultimately why cochran won and hats off to him but i think what we're seeing now is sort of the the, the death throes of survivor in that they're just doing whatever they can to keep it interesting and eventually it's going to go too far i mean I don't know if you guys know the rumors of what the next season is. Oh, yeah. We do. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not even really interested in next season. I don't really want to see 
the family members of, and spoiler alert, but the family members on one tribe and the old players on another. It's just like... But that that's not how the tribes are going to be split up. It isn't? No, it's going to be the five it's going to be the five groups of two who are related by blood like daughters and niece like Jerusalem's niece and then the five groups of people who are related by like a romantic relationship which Oh, you think it's less interesting? See, I, I'm not as cynical about the next season. I've kind of abandoned the facade that Survivor is about putting people on an island who have never met and seeing who comes out the victor. It's now more, I think there's a lot more uh, kind of continuation between seasons now. And so I, I, I've kind of abandoned that. And I think by doing that, it helps me kind of accept the fact that Survivor is changing and just to kind of enjoy what I see and try not to be too cynical about it. And, I mean, obviously that's only as successful as it can be, but... Right, I'm certainly going to watch, and I don't mean to say I'm not going to enjoy it. It's just not going to be as good. And I certainly recognize that part of the dynamic of the show is, you know, it's not just 16 strangers. It's what if we take 16 of these type of people and put them on an island, you know? What if we put 16 people and two of them have played before? What if we put 16 people and eight of them are related to people who have played before? Like, that's interesting to me. But it's not But it's not as interesting. And what if they did first two tribes of eight where they all know each other first, you know, rather than bringing back the returning players? Why don't we try this dynamic without the returning players? Yeah. See, I think that would be more interesting. Right. And the reason splitting it with the, you know, the five pairs that are related and the five pairs that aren't, is less interesting to me is I don't even need to watch the season now. Somebody on the tribe of the five pairs that are related will win the game because they're not going to have their bonds broken as easily because they're just closer. Right, and that's what I think too. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation because obviously there are no spoilers out yet because the season just started filming, I think, yesterday. Um, But, yeah, there's been a lot of, like, the people who are going to blindside each other are the boyfriend-girlfriend not the mother dog. Yeah, it's just so uninteresting that the idea that, of course, the people who are related are going to stick together more than the people who aren't. Like, that's all I have to say on that. Now, here's a trend that I've been seeing. I've found that for the most recent seasons, it's been fairly obvious about at least halfway through the season of who's going to win. Like, I sort of knew, like, it was obvious that Cochran was going to win. I had thought that Denise was going to win for the longest time. Uh, Kim. Kim was very obvious. Why do you think Why do you think the show is making it more obvious of who the winner is? Because I, I, I go back to those older seasons, and I literally had no idea who was going to win. Right, and I think there, there's two things here. I think, one, the storytelling has evolved in a way that it's more interesting to tell the stories they have, and it's more satisfying to tell the stories they have in the way they are. But I think the second thing is is you need to look at yourself. And I don't mean that in, in like a rude way or anything. I actually mean that in a very positive way. And it's sort of like someone who reads comic books a lot or someone who's like a huge – fan of any sort of show, like maybe a 24 fan or any sort of like, say someone's a huge CSI fan. You've watched the show your whole life and you're in sort of a middle ground right now where you're, you're more than just a fan. They're not editing the show for you. They're not editing the show for Jeff. They're not editing the show for me. They're editing it for the common viewer. You know, people call them casuals. I don't like that term because it's kind of derogatory, but 
you're looking at it from a perspective of you sit here, you've sat here and you've dissected it from, you know, start to finish for how many seasons, I mean, how many seasons have you been doing this podcast? Since Nicaragua. Since Nicaragua. Okay. So that's like a whole, I call, I consider that a whole, you know, different era in Survivor, you know, the post-Russell Hans, post-Heroes versus Villains podcast era. And I'm sure you've been watching it in depth since before then. So you have a lot of knowledge of the show. And not just of the show, of reality TV editing and production in general. Now, if you want to use that to only be like a really intense fan, that's cool. That's your choice. But you can use that to make a jump as well. I mean, a lot of people learn how to do stuff when they're young because they get really into it. And then that's what they end up doing when they're old. I mean, I not to turn it into a podcast about me, but just very briefly, I read a lot when I was young. I was the fastest reader in my class in first grade. I was always reading above my grade level. And I've always read... And that's why I love writing, and that's why, you know, I can think about these things on a little bit of a higher level than other fans, just because that's what my brain has been trained to do over the years. And it's the same thing with you guys. Uh, you have to question how much of it is they're getting obvious, and I think they are getting a little obvious, but how much of it is just, you know, you're, you have the knowledge of it, and how much of it is you have the knowledge of it from watching, and how much is you've learned from me as well. There's all these factors in it that are more than simply they're making it easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about the, the finale or the, the season in general, Justin? I, I, I would like you to mention Sherry a little bit, because she was someone that we talked a lot about on the first podcast, and I think that she still has one of the more interesting story arcs, especially if you take the entire season um, into context. What do you think is going on there? Because it was a really weird edit. I don't know that I can compare her edit to anyone else's ever on the show. Well, there isn't a comparison ever, and it's simply because, you know, with reality TV, you always have to remember that they're editing based upon what happened in reality. And what happened in reality was she was in control of the fans' tribe, something ridiculous happened, and they decided to flip things and keep Eddie and Reynolds for some reason. And then everything went to hell because of all the production things I mentioned post-merge, and she literally was carried to the end for that reason. It wasn't just because of Cochran and Dawn, it was because of what happened on the show. And I think the edit reflected that. I mean, Eddie, I mean, look at, look at it, right? So look at three of the final five, Eddie, Eric, and Sherry, Sherry. Thank you. I can't even remember her name. <laughs> didn't really have any type of edit at all. And that's because they didn't really have any effect in the game at all. The, the question that I would have then, because the way that I thought, and I mean, you're obviously welcome to disagree, David, you as well, um, is Sherry was left with, very few options at the point of the merge. Her options were basically aligned with the favorites or kind of start counting her. And so when you play the only possible game that will get you there, in my opinion, that doesn't mean she's automatically carried to the end or what. It means that she made the best possible decision for her game. And obviously, she needs to be making that argument in the final tribal council rather than the arguments that she was making. But do you think a person can ever win like that? Just sitting in front of the jury saying, I had no other option. And this was the, like, if I had done this, I would have gotten voted out. If I had done this, I would have gotten voted out. This was the only option for me to stay in this game, and that's why you should vote. Can a person like that ever win? No. <laughs> I think you're right. I don't begrudge Sherry. I think she made the best move she could. And I think sometimes you just do have to get carried to the end. I mean, Natalie in Redemption Island. That was a great move to align with Rob and get to the end. And she got third place for it. 
and you know Sherry got third place for it. But sometimes you are put in a situation where you just can't win the game. Context happens, and you just can't win. Look at Philip. I'm going to go back to his example. He just couldn't win with what happened. Does that speak to his gameplay? No. He just couldn't win. You know, Sherry, with what everything happened with the fans, she just couldn't win. You know, same thing with even, you know, Reynolds. And I really don't even believe any could have won the jury vote. I know there are some people out there who think that. I don't think he could have won the jury vote. So to a large extent, you're right. That was the best move for her to make. But then the other thing strategically is, if you know that, you got to be, after the merge, just prepping people. Show your confidence and being like, yeah, I'm making the right move. You know, why don't you come with the favorites with me? And just start talking to people as they're on their way out and be like, you know, I don't want to do this, but this is what I have to do. Just own your gameplay. You know, to a large extent, that's why Don lost. That's why Lisa lost in Philippines. They, you know, that's why Chelsea lost in One World. Well, they have a lot of guilt over what they're doing. So and, just own it. And that's why Sherry, everyone got mad at Sherry in the final Travel Council because she wasn't owning it. Exactly. And you don't have to say they carried me. You can say, well, yeah, I knew that they were going to be in the driver's seat, but that's what I had to do. I knew they were going to do that. So I was talking to them the whole time. And as long as they were doing what benefited me, well, then that was okay with me because it got yeah, me and to I the end. Think, I also think there's a way you can do the carry me to the end without making it necessarily. You can do it a bit more aggressively maybe, kind of what you were saying. You need to make sure that everyone knows that that's your game and that that's the best move you can make. And you're prepping people on the jury. But also you can look as if you're doing things without actually doing things. And like, well, who's the best at this? Sandra. Sandra. Her entire strategy, and I'm, I don't know why no one else has done this yet or no one else has figured this out. Her entire strategy is find the asshole and ride him to the end. And the whole time decry him, talk about how bad he is, but let him control it. And then at the end go, he's a jerk, not me. And then she wins the night. That's her entire strategy. <laughs> and, true. I mean, Sherry had the perfect opportunity to do that with Philip, and then he got voted out, and then probably could have even done it with Dawn if she really wanted to. Well, here's the thing I do like about Sherry's one storyline arc is that <laughs> first she had Shamar be her Philip, and then she had Philip be her Shamar, and then she became the Philip or Shamar. If you want to talk about what her story arc is, that's actually, I mean, David just actually nailed it right there because her performance in Final Tribal was actually worse than Philip's in Redemption Island. So, <laughs> I mean, that's her story arc right there. That was, that's actually, my hat's off to you, David. That was very good. Any other thoughts, Justin? No, I'm just really disappointed in this season, and I hope they can come back strong over the next two. Uh, I don't know how in-depth I'm going to be. I mean, obviously I'm always going to still want to do these podcasts, but I just don't know how in-depth I'm going to be with my story analysis anymore just because it's becoming less and less interesting to me. Yeah, that's fair. But we will still be looking forward to uh, chatting with you next season and – Maybe if you're not even looking that intensely, just what you pick up from your common viewing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, not to sound like a douche, but my common viewing is kind of above everyone else's common viewing. Yeah. So. Well, even if, you know, uh, Justin, even if you don't come back next season, I suppose I could take this moment to thank you because you really do change the way that I watch Survivor after our first podcast that we had in Philippines. Um, you, you changed the way that I watch the show. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. That's very rewarding. That's ultimately why I do what I do. It's because I watch the show in a way that is very enjoyable for me. And I think it would increase other people's enjoyment if they watched it on that level as well. Because 
for instance, to, to go back to the Brenda episode, there was just so much brilliant stuff going on with the editing of that episode and the story they were telling at us. And if I watched it on a simply level of, wow, Don was mean to Brenda, you know, I would have missed all the stuff about, you know, it's good to be humble, but you need to have some pride in yourself to, to challenge yourself and, and win challenges in order to get ahead. So the whole thing about, you know, making sure it's, you're not just too humble or have too much pride and you have to balance it. I mean, I would have missed all of that if I was just watching it on that cursory level. So, you know, Jeff, you're exactly right. That's ultimately why I will continue to watch on the level I do. And that's why I try and bring this to you guys so other people can see those you know, that, that's brilliant storytelling and it deserves to be admired and noted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, thank you. You know, we've been doing this, what, since Redemption Island. So, and, uh, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it every single time you've come on. So yeah, thank you, uh, for coming on again. And I look forward to another season of hearing your thoughts. Thanks guys. All right. Well, there you have it. There was Justin JML once again. Uh, always great to hear his insights into the season. It was great to see him sort of wrap up the storylines and get his thoughts and everything. And uh, yeah, definitely look forward to hearing from him uh, again next season. Agreed. I really like talking to him. And again, really hope, really look forward to it. So uh, this is uh, only the first of uh, hopefully four mini casts. Uh, we are going to also be talking to Yao Man Chan. We haven't talked to him at all this season, so uh, really great to be hearing from him, so stay tuned for that. We're also going to be hearing from Edna again, her boy Cochran won. What are her thoughts on the whole thing and how, how she thinks it played out? Um, and potentially we're, we're going to have another survivor that we had on the podcast before coming back. So uh, stay tuned for the rest of these mini-casts. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.